You're listening to the Prairie Town Basement Sessions. I'm your host, Ian Krochak. Well, hello everyone. I hope all is well in your worlds. Well, we did it. We made it to the 10th episode of season one, the season finale. Yay. I feel like maybe there should be some balloons dropping from the ceiling or something like that. But there'll be no ticket tape parade or any confetti dropping on me. Just maybe a quiet feeling of accomplishment as I sit here in my basement at the Prairie Town Basement Sessions headquarters in Nevervale, Manitoba, Canada. So I was digging around on my social media last night and I noticed that I announced that I was going to forge ahead with the podcast on February 24th. Holy cow. That was 12 weeks ago. And I have to admit, there have been some times where I felt like I might have bitten off more than I can chew. However, those times have been pretty few and far between because chatting with all these amazing artists every week has been so incredibly energizing. What's even more energizing has been the positive feedback that I've received from all of you about the podcast. This keeps the fuel to my fire and I can assure you that we'll be continuing with these podcasts many more episodes in the future. Okay, let's dive into our last interview of season one, shall we? And it's a good one. Quentin Blair is a country music singer-songwriter extraordinaire from Manitoba, Canada. More about Quentin in our opening act. There's something very romantic and mysterious about walking down a dirt road or open field and kicking up the dust and dirt like so many people have done before us. Do you often wonder who had walked there before, and what they believed in, or who did they love? Our world is constantly trying to tell us something, and when we listen, oh, does it ever have a story to tell? Some artists can tap into these stories to capture our imagination, even if it's only for a few minutes at a time. For these artists, slinging stories is as natural as the air that they breathe, as natural as the blood that courses through their veins. They are born this way, they are here to pay attention. Quentin Blair is one of these artists. Born and raised in southern Manitoba, Canada, Quentin Blair is the real deal. A prairie song troubadour with a mass appeal to an audience craving honesty and authenticity in their music. This is translated into Quentin capturing four Manitoba Country Music Awards and numerous other accolades. He is a musician's musician, a songwriter's songwriter, Oh yeah, and one hell of a performer too. If you see him play live, he makes even the most reserved climb out of their shells to do a little two-stepping. Simply put, Quentin Blair is a Canadian treasure with so many more stories to tell. Ladies and gentlemen, my interview with Quentin Blair. Quentin, welcome to the Prairie Town Basement Sessions, man. How you doing? Uh I'm doing great, man. So good to see you. So where are you? You're Western Manitoba. What would you be considered? Manitoba is probably the best, <laughs> best thing. It's uh, we've got two farms. We've got one place in Landmark and one place in McGregor. So okay, it is literally crossing the province multiple times a week, back and forth between the two places. I did not. So I mean, I I follow you quite closely on on social media. There, it, it's such a good follow. I I kind of it, it takes the people right into your life, which is yeah. Uh, um, and you know, it's so it's like, how do you find the time to kind of do all the things that you do and, and juggle everything that you're doing? 
That's a fair question. Um, sometimes I don't know the answer to that. Other than the fact that I just have the personality that doesn't stop thinking about things. So, you know, it can be 1030 at night and I'll get an idea and I'll just get up and I'll just go and do that idea. And sometimes it starts off like, you know, for all these things that we've got on the go, try to think about four more things that didn't work out and I've moved on from them kind of thing. So there's always like, here's a new idea, but here's also one that didn't work out or here's one that the idea was right. The core of the idea was right, but the delivery or the, the plan for the implementation was wrong. And now I had to adapt and some things have 10 year time horizons and some things are, are now. So yeah, we kind of run an outfitting business where we take people on trail rides and hikes. And, and uh, if people want to ride their bikes, no one ever rides their bike, but we offer it. Uh, If they want to take their mountain bikes and we kind of take them through some wildlife management areas where they can kind of get close to nature and I'll play my guitar for them. And, um, and then obviously we have the music where we tour around, we focus primarily on Western Canada, but mostly Manitoba. I 18 hours to go play a show in Jasper to turn around and drive 18 hours back. That gets pretty old, pretty quick. Um, yeah. kind of specialize in rodeo dances and country fairs. Well, those only happen on weekends. So, um, yeah, I try to stay as close to Manitoba as I can. I just love being in Manitoba. And then, uh, yeah, and then the, the farms too, right? Like it's just always something. Uh, you know, when I first started uh, the concept of this podcast, uh, the Prairie Town, I actually thought about you <laughs> because, um, you know, it's, you, you just have such a presence here in Manitoba, obviously across Canada and, and throughout, but it's just really enjoyable how you've woven your kind of lifestyle into your music like it's it, it it's blended together but does it feel that way for you sometimes or is it pretty compartmentalized uh, no no absolutely I just I am who I am and that's the way it is and you know I don't try to try to sugarcoat anything and I don't try to be somebody that I'm not I mean I ride horses I play guitar I like to sing country music like that's just it so this whole thing with Woodside Outfitters which is the name of our of our kind of ecotourism business the whole thing about that is finding a way to marry music and horses more frequently going forward. Because I mean, if, if something happened during COVID for me, it was that suddenly, I mean, at our peak, we played like 110 shows a year and that's a lot. And that's a lot. with COVID, I was already scaling back. We were probably like 70 to 80 shows a year prior to COVID. Um, and then all of a sudden wow. you're just at home and I'm like, man, I have never seen my horses this much. And I'm like, (laughs) I like it. Like this is a huge part of who I am and where I find joy in life. And so it's a matter of trying to find ways to not get so busy again and not try to hit that 80 show mark again, try to have a really solid balance between playing good shows, writing good songs, hanging out with good people, right? Making friends in this business. It's the one thing about the music industry is like, it's really easy to make friends. Everyone is kind of, you're in this for similar reasons. And it's, you know, if you're kind of in this business for money or to be famous, it's the wrong business to be in. If you want to be a good person and kind of cheer on your friends and write songs and connect with people around you, then that's why we're here. Right. So yeah, um, absolutely. And Manitoba is special for that because we have so much raw talent in this province and a lot of times it's like that, that thing where, you know, even if you look at bands who are, you know, on the road, they're all using Manitoba players. Like there's so Absolutely. much depth. I mean, and, and it's such a, a wealth of riches for, for me to have, you know, six different drummers I can call to play shows with me where talking with my friends in other provinces, it's not like that, you know, yeah. they can be 
they, you know, one of my friends in, in Saskatchewan, his bass player lived in Swift Current and he was living in Regina. Like, how do you even have rehearsals? How do you even do this? But he's just yeah. like finding someone to play a lot of shows on in Regina. Just, it doesn't happen. So Sask Music is a great organization and, you know, but it's those Manitoba music. Absolutely. I mean, it's almost like an embarrassment of riches for sure. Like I, I totally agree with you. So like, so during COVID that you mentioned that you kind of like, you're always thinking you got kind of a busy mind. Was it helpful to just kind of slow things down? And was that helpful for you in terms of the songwriting aspect well, of things? Yes and no. I mean, I, I felt like going into COVID, we are kind of ramping up. We had this campaign where we were going to try to raise a million dollars for all these yeah. rural nonprofits and charities. We had spring tour booked, a fall tour booked, and then all of our kind of summer rodeo and country fair circuits. And that got canceled. And it's a lot of work to put that stuff together. And then you know, COVID hits me uncertainty. I don't know what to do. Well, let's start planning for the next year. Okay, let's move everyone back here. And then it happens again. And you're just like, why even bother? But we had songs ready to go and like, like songs in the can and songs already written. And I felt like I had a really solid record put together. And it was like, well, now you're like, what's the point in writing more music? I'm not even going to put it out. We yeah. sat on songs for a year. So creatively, it was actually a big struggle because you, you're kind of music is, is a, is a business of momentum. And yeah. a lot of times I'm booking 12 months in advance. Well, nobody knew what was happening three months in advance. And so yeah. we tried numerous times to try to build up some momentum and finally just say, you know what, I'm just going to sit back I'm going to wait till this winds down. Um, I did go down to Tennessee in September and wrote a bunch of songs and I did do a bunch of Skype writes as well, but not at the same intensity that I was doing it before. You know, maybe, maybe we wrote 10 songs this year, whereas before we would have maybe wrote 30 songs kind of thing. So, or 50, whatever, however many co-writes you have in a week. I used to do a lot of co-writes. I used to try to do co-writes a couple of weeks. So, you know, it was, it was busy and yeah, I mean, I felt like I've got now, now I'm at the point where I'm trying to like get other people to record my songs because not that whatever, these are all great songs or whatever. I think they're great, but I'm probably just not going to be able to get around to playing them right now. So it's interesting dilemma to have. So are you, when you're songwriting, I mean, you mentioned you do a lot of co-writes and I've heard that about you. Um, you, you do a lot of collaborations. Are you able to summon the ideas like, like, or is it, it's like, I talked to a lot of folks that are, they're literally, you know, they're scheduling the time in and they're literally, they're pushing off a song when they're doing the right. Um, yep. Or is it, is it, you know, like I, for myself, you know, I'll have the ideas come to me a variety of things. So I'm just paying attention, but mm -hmm. well, how, do, how does it work for you? It's kind of a combination of both. Songwriting is a muscle, right? So the more you work the muscle, the better the songwriting comes. You write yeah. with a guy like, like Jason McCoy and he just riffs and riffs and he's got all these lines. It's just like, wow, it sounds like you've written 10,000 songs in your career because he probably has. Yeah. So you know, guys like that are just a pleasure to write with because they can just bounce these ideas around. Um, but then at the same point, I feel like some of my best writes have been one o'clock in the morning by myself when I just had an idea hit me in bed. And it's that moment where you say, get out of bed and go deal with this right now. But yeah. there are other times when the idea hits and you just get out of bed and you're like, oh, I'm so tired. I'll remember it. I'll remember it. <laughs> you never do. You're, you wake up in the morning. You're like, that was a mistake. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's, I kind of do work on both sides of it, but I like having scheduled co-writes because then it kind of keeps the wheels turning, keeps the wheels in motion. Um, 
And then if I get that inspiration song, then I'll do that as well. Now, the downside of writing songs at one o'clock in the morning is that oftentimes you kind of huddled over your guitar. You don't want to be too loud. And so every song is a slow song. <laughs> so yeah. Sometimes what happens is we'll write or I'll write at one o'clock in the morning and then I'll bring it to the band and say, okay, we're not going to play it like this, but this is the idea that I was working on. How can we make this better? Yeah. And uh, they're great at adding stuff in. So. So how have you changed the songwriter? Because I mean, I, I, I mean, I listened to your stuff and uh, I've especially listened to your stuff in the last week, knowing just uh, that I was going to chat with you. So, mm -hmm. you know, you look at some of the stuff like from 2009, let's say, um, it was the one song there, Alone Under the Stars is which the song I really oh, like. Oh, wow. So, and, and I know that goes way back. And Ian, there's, there, Ian, no one has ever mentioned Alone Under the Stars in an interview. So hats off to you. Good, well, good no, work, my friend. It, it is honestly... Um, it's so well written. And I, what I hear, and then I hear like your, your latest stuff, like the wild horse rider. And it's also a, like a really sweet song. I think, um, how, how has that changed for you? Because you can draw from so many different places and you, you can play in such a variety of styles as well, but you can have the tender stuff. And then you mentioned you play the honky tonks. So it's, it's really diverse. So is it, does that hit you or is that, is that a, a, a conscious thing? I think that just speaks to, I mean, Alone Under the Stars was a song I wrote um, painting a picture, right? It's quiet yeah. as the morning after a raging winter storm. Nothing escapes the stillness, but my fire that keeps me warm. And I kind of have this yeah. envision of like being in the woods right after this blizzard and thinking about life and thinking about like, you know, I'm a guy that kind of escapes to nature to get the clarity to think. And that's a yep. very spiritual experience for me to be yep. able to, to be in the woods. So that's kind of what that song is about. But here we are playing in Marsh End at a ranch rodeo. And one of the town hippies decides to arm wrestle one of the cowboys. Before <laughs> you know it, there's 20 people in a brawl on the dance floor. And I'm playing the gambler. And we're looking around like, what do we do? I'm like, well, let's keep playing. So we kept on playing yeah. while this big brawl happens. And I'm like, I got to write a song about that at some point. So uh, we ended up writing that song. And it's uh, it's about my friend who was a wild horse racer. And he'd ride in Cheyenne and ride at the Calgary Stampede and had all these kind of great stories but that was the night i met and of course he was one of the guys in the fight so um yeah you kind of draw from from all these kind of different either i'm, I'm kind of looking at a picture and painting it or i'm usually describing a story of some kind and what i find when you co-write is like i can i can tell you right away which song i wrote on my own and which song i co-wrote on i guess i mean it's unfair because i was in the room but um I can hear it in, in the voicing and in the phrasing even of the lines that are said. And that's the beauty of a co-write is it takes away a part of you, but replaces that part with somebody else or with yeah. multiple people. And, and that can be a really beautiful experience. Um, but yeah, those two songs are songs that I wrote um, just in two, two different moments, but uh, yeah, alone under the stars. That's a, that's a great song. Um, yeah. I it, always want to play it, but it's like, it, you have a hard time playing down tempo songs. Like, and that's yeah. the struggle that I, I sometimes yeah. face because like I'm a country artist, hands down. I'm a country artist, but sometimes I'm too country for country. Right. And so then I kind of venture off into the folk world, but I'm a country artist trying to be in. The, but now I've got the awkward cowboy hat and everyone's like, what is this guy talking about? So <laughs> exactly. it's, it's like you're too country for folk and you're too country for country. And I know a lot of artists who struggle with this. And then you go, yeah. well, am I am I roots country? I don't even know what's the definition of roots country. That's the I mean, I won I won an award for that like 
I don't know, two, three times. I don't even know what the definition is like to say, yeah, yeah I like fiddle. I like pedal steel. I like telling stories. I like traveling with just me and my guitar. I like, you know, upright bass, but at the same point, I love ripping nineties country. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. and that's the, it's like this trade-off of going, well, what is the definition of that? Because like I ride horses, I spend my time traveling in rural communities. I never play big centers, like never play Winnipeg, never play Regina, never play Calgary, but I'll play every small town between here and there. I think that's your, that's your appeal for sure. I mean, I, I mean, I just find you, your image that, uh, and, and it's, it's not an image maybe you consciously put out, obviously, because you're just being yourself, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's very accessible. Like you seem very accessible. So I think the idea that you do play those small towns, um, it, it kind of lends itself to that a little bit. And I, I guess I just kind of wonder, like, if, if you're trying to decide if, if you're not sure in where, where it fits, if it's, if it's folk or two country, how does that affect your, the, the way you promote your music? How, how does that impact your radio play and what have you? I'm sure it does. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Um, I, I mean, it's kind of that thing where you just, you learn to just be comfortable in your own skin and you go, I am who I am. I mean, yeah. country's coming around right now. Like, even if you listen to like yeah. the new Morgan Wallen or, you know, for what all the stuff that Eric Church has done for artistry in, in country music. I mean, there's a lot of country coming back, which I love. Yeah. So I feel like I'm a more, a, a bigger part of the scene than I, ever have been before which is kind of interesting yeah. um but no i do i mean i'm a like a down-home regular guy so being accessible like yeah i i feel like i am because it's the same as if i had run into you or the small like i wave to you when we drive down the road and pass like driving down a gravel road that's who i am so I'm, i guess i'm glad that translate I, I appreciate when people reach out to me and talk about you know oh the tell me this story about music or whatever. Right. I just, I like talking to people. I like engaging with uh, fans and with people who kind of consume my music as far as radio play. I never really focus too much on it, but at the same point, um, I feel like I've got a very, I'm very lucky to have the support that I have with radio and whether that's kind of on a national level or on a very hyper local level. One of my first records was financed by golden West radio. Um, Is that right? Yeah, okay. I was playing. I was playing at a bar called the, or a restaurant called the Brass Lantern in Steinbeck, and the Brass Lantern isn't there oh, anymore. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I um, remember the Brass Lantern. <laughs> what it was? It was a great show. Like Greg, who who ran the restaurant, was so good to me all the time, and he let me come in and tell stories. And what I learned very quickly was, I'm playing in a restaurant, everyone's talking, and you can try to fight your way over the crowd, or you can get quiet and tell a story. And one table laughs and everybody looks at that table to go, what did we just miss out on? And yeah. you play your song and the next song you're telling your story again and you get quiet. Well, now you've got two tables listening to you. And before you know it, you've got your six, eight, 10 tables listening to you. You're playing your songs. You feel very fulfilled as an artist. Well, Lyndon Friesen was sitting there one day and he says, Hey, you know, I want you to come over here. I don't know if you know this, but you know, <laughs> I own Golden West Radio and whatever. I like what you're doing and I want to be a part of that. And then we've got this grant program. We want you to apply for this and whatever. Long story short, wow. they're the one that financed uh, the Bluesman record and got me off the ground. And so, you know, here I am feeling like awkward in a cowboy hat in a restaurant that's you know, got tofu in their salad. Like that's not a cheap place to eat, but here I am playing. And it was the, the, the chef who ran the restaurant who, who wanted to have me in there on a regular basis. And on one night that, you know, stars aligned and uh, we kind of got off to the races at that point. So, but that, that show 
like it was every second Saturday night. And the value of that show was that I learned to tell a story. I learned to not care what people are doing and just go, I got a story to tell. And I'm going to tell you that story. And by the end of the night, you got people buying CDs. And I mean, of course, that doesn't happen anymore. But, you know, you got people engaging with you and you learn how to be an artist instead of just here's my song and play it as loud as you can because you're trying to cut through people. Yeah, I mean, I, I just that's kind of like an epiphany, right? Like, I think that that's a pretty powerful moment. So yeah. like, have you worked with other artists that you think maybe are struggling with that? Because I mean, you, you're seasoned enough now where you I'm sure you are a lot of artists must come to you for advice. I do. I, I don't know. I'm accessible. And like anybody can just pick my brain on stuff. And sometimes I'll be a little bit too free with my opinion and not that it, my opinion is, is negative. Just going like, this is what I do. This is how I learned to do this the best. This is why I think this system works. And yeah. some people don't, you know, whatever, maybe I say that too fast, but um, you know, for the most part, yeah, people want to talk. I'm always here to talk, especially musicians, because we're all fighting the same battle. And I went through a time in my career where I was really competitive. And I really, I look on my social media and, you know, so-and-so's on the road again, or so-and-so's on the radio again, yeah. oh, they're back. And eventually you get to the point where you're just like, you know what, I'm going to play my music when I play it. I'm going to put it out when I put it out. And it's just, once you kind of let go of all that, everything seems to kind of fall into place a little bit. I, I hold my music career with a very open hand and go, you know, if this song is going to work, it's going to work. And if this song doesn't work, it doesn't matter because it's still something that I wanted to say. Yeah. So, but that being said, the pressure. So you asked me if, if I would notice that some artists struggle with that in the country world. I find that a lot of artists struggle with the storytelling side of things, even though country yeah. is a genre of storytelling in the folk world. There yeah. seems to be a lot more openness to spend time talking in between songs. But that's the, I mean, I've had people say, quit talking, play the next song and stuff like that. I'm like, you know what? They hired me to talk into this microphone, not you. Yeah. So I'm going to tell this story and I'm going to engage with the people who want to engage with me. And if you don't want to engage with me, you can leave. I don't really care. You know, and it's not like I'd have that conversation into the microphone, but that's what's going on in my head. Just going like, you got to have thick skin when you do this, but in the country world, what a lot of the stories are is I was down in Nashville and I wrote this song with so-and-so and that's a name drop and a town drop to say that I went to Nashville. Yeah. That's not actually the story behind the song. So either there wasn't a lot of story or we haven't fleshed out how to communicate that because we're too busy writing the song and then producing it and trying to push it out to radio because country music is a genre that is special because we get radio support right? Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of other genres of music that you don't get that level of support. Uh, and I mean, it's something that's absolutely fantastic when you can, and you know, you know, that royalty checks are coming in to build your, your annual plan around mailbox money as an right. artist who doesn't leave Manitoba. Like that's, that's kind of, I recognize the time in history that, you know, and the fortunate, you know, circumstances that allowed me to play country music. So I play, I, I happen to be in the right genre that, you know, is beneficial to do that kind of stuff. So, um, so that becomes too much of the focus sometimes and people don't actually give the song its due. And so, yeah. or, or sometimes maybe just we're too busy being stuck on stage at a cover show where you can't tell the stories, but you can play your song. So it's a, it's a trade-off. I, I mean, country is also the other unique part about country is that, you know, you're supposed to know the country songbook. 
You're supposed to That's know right. who Keith Whitley is. You're supposed to know who Hank Williams is. You're supposed to even <laughs> go beyond that and, and know about Lefty Frizzell or Marty Stewart. And you need, yeah. you're supposed to have that connection. And if you want to even take a step further, you should know that about Canadian artists then too, yeah. right? So um, like you're supposed to play cover songs in country music. And sometimes that's like an interesting battle that I play because, you know, when you play rodeo dance, it's three 60 minute sets. Well, even if I have, you know, three hours worth of music that I wrote, people don't want to listen to it that much. You still have to play songs that they're going to know you're, you can do your own version of it. That's why I put out man of constant sorrow as a release, because it's like, Hey, it's a song that people know. And you know, it, it's been played by a, a number of different artists through the years, but no Canadian artists played it yet. So. Yeah, I, I was kind of wondering about that. So this kind of ties in nicely because the reason why I asked you a question about the people finding their voice in country music, because I, I do notice that there's things right now that are so overproduced, right? And and there's a real tendency to just to make it appeal to be radio friendly and appeal to a certain audience. Your song, Man, Man of Constant Sorrow, the, the, your, your version of it, I mean, you could have blown it right up but you kept it pretty like and that's what i was really impressed by is the fact that you kept it the way it did and produced the way you did what what was the inspiration behind putting that song out well must have been one of your favorites well it actually it's not i mean it's a weird song no well the funny part about it is everyone knows in constant sorrow i am a man of constant sorrow but no one knows anything after that because there's no chorus (laughs) in that song right that's actually very true isn't it Yeah. yeah It's technically like, I think it's like six (laughs) verses long and they didn't even repeat the verses in the original kind of thing. And it's like, oh man, like I need to do some editing on it, but (laughs) it was actually what it was. Here's, here's the Nashville drinking game or the songwriter drinking game, right? Every time you mention Nashville in a, in a conversation, you got to take a drink, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I had the opportunity to work with Dwayne Thompson. So Dwayne Thompson is a Canadian born Nashville based producer and songwriter. So that was the opportunity that we were going to pursue. Now with COVID, it's like, I can't travel across the border. How are we going to do this? Well, let's pick a song we know and and let's start working back and forth. So we're sending it back and forth on Dropbox all the time okay. to get this to go. Now, while this is happening on Dropbox, Dwayne wrote a song called Champagne Night uh, with Patricia Conroy, another Canadian. Um, the song went to number one for Lady A. Right. At the same time that we were recording Man of Constant Sorrow. So it's kind of crazy to be like, mm-hmm. you just like the song of your career. Oh, hopefully he's got more songs coming, but like <laughs> the song of your career to date is hitting number one on the charts. And here you are working with me on a cover song. So it's kind of like <laughs> kind of a funny little like thing and we talk about yeah yeah songs songs is rocketing up the charts right now I'm like well let's get back to this arrangement on mana constant sorrow and we dropboxed it back and forth and dwayne is a great guy and uh but then we sat on it because this song was supposed to come out a year ago and we're okay. like well why put it out we're a live music band why are we gonna put a song on the radio that's never gonna get us a show so we sat on it until you know whatever earlier this spring and then we were finally going okay let's let's put this thing out and um at least book some shows with it which we were able to do um but then we're following that up with new music already that was in the can which we recorded through the winter 
waiting for the right time to release it so um that those songs are uh, are now ready to go and it's exciting to kind of be staring down the release of uh of the the second song of the whatever the new release cycle because you know i didn't release much music for the last two years that's a very cool thing so you obviously have the ability to record some things at home or are you going to a studio in the province or like how, how where are you recording your your pieces um, well, the stuff I did with Dwayne, I did in my in my little writing studio here, which is whatever in you know my sunroom essentially. And yeah. uh, you know you, we'd send stuff back and forth, but I don't really like that process of engineering for myself and playing everything in. And we tried with the guys a couple times, the guys in the band, like, hey, let's try everyone pass it around, take a couple takes. Well, it's funny because the guys all did their parts, but who didn't do the parts? Me, because I'm just <laughs> like it's. It's not fun to stand there and sing it and sing it and sing it and sing it and sing yeah. it. And it's not quite fitting right, but you're like, I, I like to be produced. I like to have a producer sit there on the other side of the glass and say, look, your breath was off in this place. Or, you know, you didn't put the T on the, the t on the T kind of thing or yeah. whatever it is. I like to have that other ear the entire time instead of singing it, playing it back, singing it, playing it back. So, and then, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather spend a day working a song as so hard um, than me trying to do it myself over two nights kind of thing. So, yeah, you hear um, a lot I, of that from a lot of people. It's just that whole kind of technical versus the creative kind of mastery yeah. thing where it's like, you, it's hard to serve two, two of them at once. And it's, it's also, that's another difference between folk music and country music. Like, like Blake Shelton is not self-recording on his computer at home, no. but uh, Ryan Bingham, Probably. He yeah. probably has that ability to do it. So that's the difference between the folk side of country and the country side of country. So, um, yeah, we do. I, I, I do uh, some recording in Winnipeg uh, with one of my best friends. His name is Adam Young. Uh, so Adam has done the Bluesman record and then he did uh, a bunch of the latest singles with something to me after they're gone and wild horse rider which i thought were that's the definition of what our band sounds like is those three songs yeah. um and then uh we did a man of constant sorrow with dwave and then we did our most recent release that's uh that's here is a song called 20 dollar bottle which i wrote with jason blaine down in nashville tennessee and uh Very but cool. we recorded in toronto with uh, pete lesperance um and so he's uh, he's an amazing musician based out of Toronto, but he's he's a producer and uh, you know has specific visions and and hires all the players and stuff. So it's not my guys playing, which is a struggle that I had on it. Um, but at the same point, it is it is what it is. In that instance, we are looking for a song to play on radio. Yeah, I gotta trust well, the producer, and Pete is a very trustworthy guy. He takes the vision and he just makes it fit where it needs to fit in order to get the goal accomplish the goal that we are shooting towards so time will tell how how well that does at radio but we are targeting to go to radio what's keeping the the fuel going here for you like the what's keeping the fire burning you know what it's just it's it's just something that's in me right like it's it's yeah. in me it's i thought you know when if you would have asked me a year ago are you going to come back to music when things open up again i would have told you i don't know because that was the answer I gave a lot of people. I'm like, I like not being on the road. I like starting this business in ecotourism. It's a totally different frame of mind. Like it's, it's not like any business I've run in the past. It's so mm -hmm. different. Um, and I like that aspect of it. I'm like, I, I just, I don't know if I'll go back. Mm -hmm. And then we, we got this idea with, with the COVID restrictions to put on a pasture party. 
where we basically pull up on a flat deck trailer in oh, someone's awesome. backfield with a generator and we play like we're just we've got people during covid uh, restrictions we'd have people in two different pods of 100 and they each had their own entrance they each had their own sanitizer it was all roped off and all that's of a awesome. sudden it's like holy cow i love playing music i'm supposed to be playing music that's yeah one of the the things that i have to do in this life so um that's what drives me i mean my daughter loves it she's 10 years old she'll sing with me she'll, like, she'll sing with me every night we sing uh and that's we awesome. talk about music we talk about what's happening in songs we talk about what the references or what the song actually means um which is great so she wrote her first song like verse chorus verse chorus bridge um a couple of weeks back you know horse come here i really want to saddle you up and it's the sweetest song that's cute. and it's it's so much fun um and the same thing too is my partner understands um what music means to me as well and so she's very very supportive to say like you need to go like don't even think about you know whatever i might get a call and say oh there's a family yeah. gathering that day i should probably be there and she's like are you kidding that's your job go to work we will be here we love you we support you we're in your corner miss the barbecue play the show like that's your job makes so, such a huge difference eh, to, to have that support man, and that is that was a life-changing moment to me to meet someone that would um kind of be that much into my corner because that was that was that's a, that's a struggle that, that you face as a musician because you've got this this drive to go and work your drive is to be on stage and you know what it is an addicting high that you get like i mean i yeah. whatever I'm a, I'm a clean guy so i don't know too much about that stuff but like i would imagine it's the same thing where it's like i have to be on stage not that i need to have people like calling my name and cheering me i just need to be on stage singing and engaging with them and that's where the high comes from is the engagement with the crowd it's like looking over my shoulders at my best friends and saying take another rip on that you know on that fiddle there brenton like i just whatever you know stuff like that like yeah when you play shows like when you play whatever brent and i did a tour where we played 25 shows in 24 days kind of thing and we went from the absolute bottom of alberta to the absolute top awesome. and uh you know when you do stuff like that like it's it's not a you know relaxed like or not just like a, a regular friendship it is a, a brotherhood i don't know if you can like whatever that's that's what it feels like it's family so yeah. when we're on stage you know i can have two three four different drummers in the roster of players but it's four family members who i've even within those those guys i've played at least 100 shows with all of them so it's not like it's like oh hey i'm quentin how are you doing what you know whatever it's like hey i haven't seen you since 2019 or whatever how you been what's going on let's go make some music have some fun and then sit around and hang out and talk so yeah i mean you get that when you're on the road a lot. And uh, I'd really love to get to the point if I could have a bus, because then we really get to be together as a family unit on the road. Right. And because my, my motto was always like wives are welcome. Kids are welcome. Friends are welcome. Sure. Like you want to bring someone out to the show. You just let me know. We'll make sure it happens. And how much cooler would that be if, we could do that because all of our shows are rural, which means we're going in a caravan of three cars <laughs> or I'll take the truck with a horse trailer. That's literally what we pull the gear around in, pull it in a horse <laughs> That's trailer. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because like right before this interview, I was team roping. So it's like, you know, the horse trailer is 
dirty. <laughs> and if I had a show tomorrow, I'd have to spray out the horse trailer in time to load all of the gear into it. Cause I can't obviously, you know, banjo is the name of my horse. Actually, his name is technically banger. Um, <laughs> I picked him up. I picked him up as uh, he was, uh, I guess a yearling and uh, coming two year old load him in the trailer and he kicks the side of the trailer and it's pitch black. I picked up that horse at like 1230 at night by the time I got to the farm and got it. And uh, Ian Tyson's got a song that says banjo kicked the trailer apart when they tried to load him up for town in the song MC horses. And so I'm like, he kicked the side of the trailer. I'm like, well, you just named yourself your banjo banjo perfect and so we started joking around and you know using some accents and call him banjo come on banjo and um one day i had my leather working tools out because i like doing leather in the winter time and i had uh, um his reins out front and i started punching him b-a-n-g-e-r well that doesn't spell banjo you songwriter that spells <laughs> banger so we changed his name to banger that day <laughs> just so awesome. i didn't have to admit that mistake no i have to admit you know like i when i when i look at your social media i i usually it's 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 almost like a bit of an escape for me because i work in such a industry like in my day job where you know i'm so corporate and i'm, I'm mm -hmm. bearing down on some computer and i i see some of the things that you're doing i'm just it's 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 quite amazing um it's, do you ever just kind of go, wow, like, how did I get to the point where I've carved this out for myself? I don't know if I necessarily think about it like that. To tell you the truth, most of my photographs come from uh, my partner, Vanessa. She's a great photographer mm. and she's always got her phone out, um, taking photos, capturing moments. And I'm kind of like, oh yeah, I guess I should, I guess I should take a picture of that too. And I'm like, you know, dear, just send me that picture. I'll post that one later because yeah. you know, your photos are better than mine anyways. So uh, yeah, I get a lot of, we've got a Dropbox account that she'll just go and take photographs all the time of the farm and, and stuff. And uh, I actually find freedom in not carrying my phone. So usually yeah. on a weekend, it's like, I'll leave my phone on the bedside table and just not come back to it till Sunday night. So yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of that, the weird thing, right? Like you mentioned a day job. There's like this, there's like this, um, this, uh, I can't even think of the word right now, but you can't be a musician and have a day job. And that's totally yeah. wrong. Right. Because, wrong. Yeah. um, a stigma, that's the word I was looking for. There's a stigma when you're a musician and you have a day job and you're like, Oh, I guess, I guess you're not quite making it. Hey. And I'm like, well, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm going to do what I need to do to feed my family. But for many years, I, well, probably 15 years I never crossed my day job with my music mm -hmm. career and I don't that much right now but you know I I probably just have more freedom in accepting who I am accepting the business that I run during the day and then the businesses I run that I operate on weekends right so yeah um, exactly that's something that I've, I've talked to a couple other younger artists right now said and it was like don't let that be something that defines you. And they, they're like, you're always looking up the food chain and going, oh, if I could just be that artist and I, you know, I could just do music all the time. And I'm like, that's not a cakewalk either, my friend. Like, no, for is, sure not. There's a huge blessing in having, look at what happened for the last two years, right? Like there's a huge thing that you need to remember. There is there's yeah. great opportunity in this province to be a musician, but you can do more than just music. And I mean, my friends who are full-time musicians, man, I'm jealous of them half the time too. And I tip my hat to them to go like, you're fantastic. I'm so glad that this is working out for you. But for me personally, this is the road that I've chosen, but it's, there's always that stigma to go, Oh, you're not oh, for quite sure. good enough. Are you? 
like I'm just finding that it's music is just about the experiences. I mean, uh, mm. the experiences of, of chatting with people like you on a podcast or like I noticed that you're like you were in Don Amaro's uh, music video there. So it's just like it's just things that come up, I'm sure, that are like, wow, this is just a unique experience. And I'm just kind of drinking from the cup of uh, opportunity. Right. Like it's just yeah. fun. Well, I mean, how many bearded guys have horses and sing songs? I guess maybe, that, <laughs> maybe that's how I got shortlisted for that role. But yeah, exactly. I had so much fun, man. Like I <laughs> and I had such a minor role in the whole video. But like if I could get an acting gig, like if like if there's some uh, yeah, exactly. casting company that's like, hey, we need a bearded horse guy with a band. I'm like, oh, I would work. I would do that just for the oh, just yeah. For the- experience of like being on set and and role it's a it's a different side of the entertainment business but you know we're we're entertainers that's what we're you know we we thrive on that so absolutely so speaking of which so what's cooking for you in the next uh for spring and into the summer what do you got going on well you can like uh, you can share with us yeah yeah no it's uh we've got a we've got a whole bunch of um of shows coming up so we kind of kick off our shows uh june the 4th in mcgregor and then we'll be playing um places like the the big m stampede and morris and we'll be doing things like hanover egg fair uh so those are kind of some of the marquee events that i'm really happy to be a part of and then we we take people on these backcountry rides. So we've got a bunch of that stuff that's uh, opened up still and um, actually presenting at a conference, uh, which is a first for me, um, which is becoming an outdoors woman put on by the Manitoba Wildlife Federation. And so it's just a bunch of women who, who, want to experience different things outdoors and because you know we operate woodside outfitters with my partner uh, vanessa and then her daughter brooke and then my daughter brooke and so it's it's funny to have a blended family with you know two daughters named the same name you you go to a show yeah you go to a show and you shake their hands and they're like well this is my daughter brooke this is my (laughs) other daughter brooke and they look at you going like what and i'm just like oh we like the name and what a weird coincidence and we're just laughing to ourselves it's like our own our own family joke there that's awesome well listen we're gonna we're gonna definitely promote this and uh folks uh you know if you haven't checked out uh quentin's band so worth going to see check out his music and all the streaming platforms and uh listen i wish you the best of luck it was it was great chatting with you tonight man appreciate that my friend thanks so much Prairie Town Basement Sessions, hosted by none other than Ian Krochak. I'd like to thank Quentin Blair for joining me on this week's show. He is the genuine article, and it was a thrill to chat with him. Please, everyone, go check out Quentin's website at quintinblair.com. And if you get a chance, go see him at one of his shows this summer. You deserve it, and he'll love to see you. You can also find Quentin's music on all the streaming platforms, and his new single, $20 Bottle, is now available. It's an awesome tune. I would like to thank all of you for joining me in today's episode and for hanging out with me the last 10 weeks. It's been an amazing experience for me to bring you all these interviews. I hope the shows have kept you company when drinking your morning coffee or even on your commute to work. 
This episode and others can be found on Anchor and all the major podcast streaming platforms. You can also stream off my website at www.ianprojectmusic.com. You can also listen to recently released episodes of the podcast on KB Radio every Sunday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please go check out KB Radio, folks. They are a passionate supporter of independent music programming, and I think you'll love what you hear. If you'd like more information on past and future podcasts, please also feel free to visit my Facebook and Instagram accounts under Prairie Town Basement Sessions. Please stay tuned for more information on Season 2 show dates in the coming weeks. That's all for today, everyone. Please remember to take care of yourself and others. And until next time, my friends.